0: Welcome listeners to the second episode of the Year for Talking Addiction and Recovery podcast. And I just want to share with all of you that when I started in this career as a counselor, it was always about helping that one person in the chair across from me. And as I've grown into like my career with, you know, working in various areas, different populations, having done speaking engagement with communities, presentations among professionals, writing a book, becoming a clinical supervisor to help other substance abuse counselors, and even with doing this podcast, no matter how many people are out there listening, it still is always about that one listener, the individual who is taking their time to listen to what I have to say in my hopes of you walking away, being able to say you learned something. So To start off this year, I definitely want to send a special thank you to each and every person who has decided to listen. Lots of exciting things um, I've got planned and and some surprises along the way. Got some guests lined up that are going to be featured. So keep paying attention to what's going on. At the end of this episode, you'll hear about a new way of staying in touch and finding out what's going on. And also check out social media contents on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as always for up to date information. So we are in, you know, early January and let's I'm going to ask a strange question is are you dry? And this question reminds me of a Jerry Seinfeld bit about dry cleaning when he's asking, you know, what is dry cleaning? There is no dry cleaning. They are using some kind of liquid back there. Currently, some people may be engaging in a campaign known as Dry January. And I'll be honest, this is something I never really paid too much attention to or focused on with people that I've worked with. And mostly because I work with people whose substance use disorders or behaviors have led to significant destruction and chaos. So I've, I've worked with a lot of people who they are in that addiction and it's, they've had overdoses, they've been hospitalized, you know, legal problems have happened, they're coming into treatment. So, you know, talking about, like, a dry January isn't something that is a part of, like, typical AODA counseling or treatment. However, as I have worked on, you know, growing and building my podcast audience, you know, through social media, I've noticed... So many references to dry January recently. So, after learning more about it and seeing so much content being provided and posted, I thought it would be a good idea to share more about it and talk about it here in this episode. And prior to recording this, I made posts on my Instagram account asking, you know, two questions. They were yes or no. It was, have you ever heard of dry January? And 68% reported that they have heard of it, while 32% reported they never heard of it. And then my other question was, are you now or have you ever participated in dry January? 73% reported that they have not, nor are they doing it right now, while 20% reported that they have or currently are. So from my followers, it appears a majority are familiar with it, And a majority have really not participated in it or are are doing it currently. So not too surprising, to be honest. I wonder, when it comes to that, have you heard of it? Do you really know what the campaign is? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think if you hear Dry January, you can kind of put two and two together. That means, like, no drinking in January. So right off the bat, you can say you've heard of it and you kind of know about it. But, you know, like, what's really behind it? What's the purpose? And that's really what I'm hoping... This episode does is to know more about those questions and that's the, exactly the way I formatted it It's kind of like a Q&A and then I'm, I'm adding in some of the my professional insight and you know stories To understand more about it and really learning from it. So There's gonna be questions asked and I'm just gonna give you the information and add some things in there So to get started the first, you know question number one is what is it? And dry january is a public health campaign that encourages people to abstain from alcohol for the entire month of January. So, basically, no alcohol for the entire month. The main resource to find out more about the campaign is alcoholchange.org.uk. And in looking at it, according to the campaign, participating in dry January enables people to take control of the relationship with alcohol, and to drive the conversation about alcohol. Three main reasons for participating, according to them, is to lose weight, sleep better, and save money. Now, question number two is, when did it start? The Dry January campaign apparently started in 2013 in England. However, some reports indicate that back in even 1942... It was originally called Sober January, but only until recent years did there start to be like trademarks and campaigns that have recognized it officially. Question number three, why is it becoming more popular making waves in other places? So in looking at it, Dry January has noticeably been practiced in the United Kingdom and France. You know, that resource was from the UK and but now we're seeing it grow to other places. In fact, dry January Switzerland 2021 was officially launched this year, and we're even seeing it become more of a trend here in the U.S. as of recent. So what's making this more popular and what's making it in ways in other places? That kind of leads to question number four, which is why are we seeing it grow, especially now in 2021? There's a couple of reasons that I believe there's a growing trend towards 2021 with dry january number one is the year 2020 yes with 2020 we have seen an increase in alcohol consumption combination of the pandemic along with other things that have been going on in a year surrounding constant change and uncertainty we saw alcohol use increase i've shared a little bit about that in some episodes I also know that while the opioid epidemic was gaining a lot of attention and resources, there was research and attention trying to be called to the fact that alcohol use was already on the rise prior to 2020. So even though you might hear that 2020 and the pandemic is causing more drinking, we were already seeing drinking on the rise prior to 2020. So in a way... For a while, the opioid epidemic kind of overshadowed the impact and concerns that alcohol had. Number two is I think, you know, with health benefits, there's, you know, the growing trends of taking care of health, eating, exercising, and nutrition has like also sparked this interest in stopping alcohol use for a month. You know, this has been sort of pushed and advertised as a way of reducing those unnecessary calories, so to speak. Number three New Year's resolutions, you know, I I told you I was going to talk about this again. I didn't think it'd be this soon. But in the previous podcast episode, New Year, New Goal, and New Results, that was actually two episodes ago, I went through a list of the common top 10 New Year's resolutions. And drink less was number eight. So combine the New Year's resolution of drinking less, health benefits, people coming off of the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and there sometimes is that uh, encouragement to take a break, stop a little bit, you know, let's reset and not drink. Number four, which I think is going to be more interesting as time goes on, is that is social media with the rise in social media. The campaign of dry January has grown in usage you know, people are sharing pictures, stories, information of how to stay dry for the month of January. Now here's a prediction of mine, and I have nothing factual to prove this right now. So I'm just gonna lay that out there. But this is just a hunch with my years of experience. Is I imagine in the future we might start to see more of these campaigns starting with other substances. And there are three in particular that can really that come to mind. You know, I could see this happening with marijuana, with the legalization of marijuana growing. I can see where people might start a campaign about no THC use for like a month. I could really see this happening with social media and technology as well. We're already seeing people sometimes go through a social media technology detox and and having limits. You know, the problem with that would be is how do you... Creating a hashtag for not using social media technology... I don't know how well that would work. But I do think that would be an area where we are seeing people take those, those breaks and those detoxes from social media and some technology. I could also see this potentially happening with pornography. The biggest barrier to that, I can imagine, is people knowingly putting it out there that they are stopping pornography use. But I can see people sort of in their own way saying well for the month of january or for the month of something i'm not going to do that like i can see that being more of a silent individual one not as one as promoted on like social media or with people so remember these are just some ideas and speculations but i just have this hunch that we're going to see more campaigns encouraging people to give up something for a month or to stop engaging in a behavior so you know here we are with this dry January campaign, and it's increasing as we just entered into 2021. And there are plenty of people who are doing it now as I speak, and even as people are listening. Whenever we decide to try and do something like this, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind is, Well, like, why, why do it? Like, why would someone do dry January? And that leads into question number four or five, which is, What are the benefits? So The campaign talks about a lot of benefits of doing it. And there's some very interesting ones. So the first one is lose weight. And a little bit of background is, you know, one of the easiest ways to lose weight is to cut out liquor calories with minimal nutritional value. So it's not providing much nutritional value to it, but it's adding a lot of calories. And for a lot of people, that's alcohol. And it can also potentially negatively affect your metabolism. So studies have shown that Alcohol can increase your hormones in the brain that regulates appetite. So therefore, even though some people may think they may be drinking their dinner, quote unquote, they might actually feel increased hunger as a result. Number two is sleep better. This often falls under the myth that alcohol helps people sleep better. While it does have like a calming effect at the start of the night, which leads to like falling asleep easier or people passing out, As soon as the alcohol wears off, there is a surge in the sympathetic nervous system that causes an early morning awakening or even multiple awakenings in the second part of the night. So yes, pass out and fall asleep easier, but within the middle of the night, second part of the night, I have more restless sleep. So improving sleep is a benefit of stopping alcohol use for a month. one of the most noticeable ones is save money and maybe you don't realize it because spending money on alcohol has become such like a normal expenditure. But I really, you know, people think about how much they spend on groceries per month. People look at how much they're spending on gasoline. They look at phone bills. They look at, you know, expenses that are a monthly thing. And I really wonder, this would be a great question to to people is how many people pay attention to how much they spend on alcohol a month in comparison to other things and i kind of call this like the starbucks bill so you look at you know five dollars a day for coffee may not seem like a lot but when you add that up every day seven days a week four weeks in a month you look at that in the entire year you know that adds up one way i encourage people to look at this Is to, you know, add up all the money you've spent on alcohol over the last month. Or maybe do a two-month average. And take a look at all your bills that you pay monthly. And rank your bills starting from most expensive to least. And rank where your alcohol is within it. You know, it's amazing how some people talk about needing to cancel a TV subscription. Or they might have to get rid of something. Um but i'm not hearing them looking at their alcohol use or how much they spend on alcohol so when you kind of look at that it's just interesting to know where that is among other things that we we do and we need and we we pay for and all that so when you look at like a netflix subscription you know currently premium sus- subscription to netflix is seventeen ninety nine, eighteen 18 bucks You know, over 18 18 bucks over a year is 216 bucks. So let's say on average though, you spend five bucks a day on alcohol. You know, that would be about $1,800 a year. So $1,800 a year on alcohol, 216 bucks on Netflix. Someone who's in a position where they're thinking of, I need to save money, I got to cut back on something. You know, they're not even looking at something that has a significant part of where their money is going. So I mean, if you don't want to cancel Netflix, you know, maybe just cut back on 216 bucks on the alcohol you consumed. So I I find it amazing to really think of it in terms like that. You know, for some people, alcohol use and other behaviors add up to large bills every month, and I'm not even talking about some of the people that I counsel and work with. You know, I have worked with people who have 200, 300 some dollar a day alcohol or drug habits um so when you look at that's not what i'm talking about here i'm not talking about people who have a significant problem with it that's just looking at like a five dollar a day so sometimes when you think about how much people spend on it you know even a, a social moderate drinker that's an area where you can look at saving money number four is better skin um Another benefit, improved mental health. Six is reduced liver damage. That's another benefit. Interesting, I didn't know this, but half of all liver diseases, deaths, are from alcoholic liver disease. And apparently there has been an increased incidence of millennials dying from alcohol-related liver diseases, which is Concerning because normally we don't see that as often. You know, when you work with um, people who their their livers are shut down because of alcohol use, they, they are older. It's a scary thing. I've had multiple conversations with clients and patients who they tell me their doctor says one more drink and you could tip the scales of having cirrhosis. And I remember there were two... Two guys I remember seeing who they were probably in their 30s when they were told that. And that is a very, very scary thing to hear. So to see that there's this increase among millennials dying from alcohol-related liver disease, that's, that's scary. Number seven, lower long-term risk for cancer and cardiovascular disease. That, that's important. Eight, improved immune system. Drinking too much can actually weaken your immune system and being intoxicated can actually can acutely suppress your immune function. So that's important to pay attention to as well. So in all, reducing alcohol intake or eliminating alcohol use for a month or longer could lead to some, honestly, really good benefits, right? I mean, as I'm doing the research behind this and seeing it like those are some things that would be probably really good and, and some of what people are dealing with and when I think of some of the problems or issues you know like these are things that would really help out. As I was going through it, I remember this very old book I read about alcohol and it was probably one of the very first books I bought when I was going to school for this and and I was just buying books on alcohol, drugs, you know, learning everything about it. and I found this one. That was about alcohol. And it really stood out because it wasn't about the alcohol in the sense that I deal with it now. It was more about just casual and moderate drinking. And it was talking about the just what alcohol does to your body. And I remember it. And as I was jotting down some notes for this episode... Uh, I was thinking, like, where is that? And of course, I still have it, and, and I grabbed it from my my bookshelf at work, and I have it right here. It's called "You Are What You Drink," the authoritative report on what alcohol does to your body, mind, and longevity, and it's by Alan Luke's and Joseph Barbato. This book, I tell you, was written. When was it published? In 1989. But the amazing part of this book is it talks about the impact that drinking has on you without getting into, like, the stuff that I usually do with people, like the legal consequences and all that kind of stuff. It just goes into, you know, on the the top of the cover, you know, it says something like, like, check this fact out. 1.5 million Americans are allergic to the ingredients in alcoholic beverages without knowing it. More than one or two drinks a week promotes aging. Alcohol is the third leading source of calories in the American diet. So these are just things that are about alcohol in general. On the back of it, I'm going to read the back of it. This is the book, this is the first book about alcohol as it relates in ways that would shock most social drinkers to our fitness and our appearance, our mental alertness and sexuality, and our resistance to illness. No other substance, not salt or caffeine, Not fatty foods or even cholesterol has the far-reaching effects that alcohol has. Yet, however health-conscious we are, we seldom know how to determine what level of alcohol consumption is right for us. How much to drink is a personal decision that we each must make for ourselves based on our individual fitness, appearance, and health concerns. So it goes into some of these questions to the you know, about some health stuff and all this kind of things. And at the bottom it says, no matter how much you drink, if you care about your health, and answered yes to three or more of the above questions, you are what you drink, just maybe the most important book you've ever read. So it's just interesting to go back to this and and kind of explore the impact when it says you are what you drink and what alcohol does to the body. So it's it's interesting to do that and point out the things that by just not drinking for a month or even longer if you choose to there are some things that your body will benefit from so highly recommend reading it i'm going to post a picture of this on facebook and social media you know twitter and instagram so people can see it but once again you are what you drink by alan lukes and joseph barbato um A long book ago, but it's good. So that kind of leads into, if there's benefits to it, you know, question six. What are some of the concerns or doubters saying about it? And there's four that I've really picked up on and have heard as I've learned more about it. Number one is, why would I do that I'm not an alcoholic? First, here is something interesting to chew on. Alcoholic alcoholism, none of that has been mentioned as part of the dry January campaign. And it doesn't state anywhere it was made for alcoholics or to prevent alcoholism. What's important about this, or even along with the book reference I was just talking about, is that this is for anyone that consumes alcohol. That includes people who are social and moderate drinkers. So a lot of the pushback I've heard at times and things I've I've seen talked about focuses on how someone doesn't have to do it because they don't have a problem with alcohol. That's not what it's asking you to do. Second, if your knee-jerk reaction is to right away say you don't need it because you don't have a problem with alcohol, I'll be honest, that might be a sign you have a problem with alcohol, you know. People usually don't, a casual social drinker usually doesn't have to question that or to say they don't have it. Now, does this have the potential to impact people who do have problems with drinking or an alcohol use disorder? Absolutely. But this campaign is not specifically for that. Number two is what is one month going to do? Well, I mean, as you can see, the benefits are there. If any one of those are important and can be accomplished or increased by giving up alcohol, even for one month, it might be a good thing to do. You know, is it worth it to give up for one month to see what those benefits could be? Financially, sleeping, health-wise, depending on what's going on in your life, if there, those are some benefits or some things you're struggling with, Giving up alcohol for a month to see if that could help, you know, what's that worth? You know, that, that's something you just got to ask yourself. That's a personal decision you make. Number three, the question I see too is what is the point of doing it if I'm just going to go back in a month anyways? And the, the point is dependent on the purpose. You know, what is your purpose for giving it up in a month? Have you already made that decision to go back to drinking in a month? Are you planning on going the entire month? So this does come up occasionally. And I would say more frequently when I meet with people for an alcohol assessment. And they're not really in that stage of wanting to stop drinking entirely. They're, they're most likely to see me because something happened that was alcohol related. Like got fired while drinking on the job. Legal issues like a DUI charge. Or drinking has become a problem for someone in their life. And by problem, I mean it's, like, causing problems in their marriage or relationship with family members. So when someone is seeing me for their alcohol use and they don't necessarily want to stop entirely, they'll often say, like, on their own, like, I can stop if I want to. And, and this often leads to a discussion about, like, well, why not show that? You know, if you can show you can stop using for a month and not drink, you know, let's do that and see what, see what that does. What does that tell us? If you say you're going to stop, ...for a month and you end up drinking, you know, what does that tell us? What does that say? I don't even go into any kind of discussion of, like, alcoholism. But if you're telling me you can stop alcohol for a month and you come back here and you weren't able to do it, you know, we got to take a more in-depth look at this. And as weird as this sounds, one of two things happen. The person comes back and they they admit that they don't go one month without drinking and they proceed to tell me, you know, the reasons and, and why it happened... Or person doesn't come back. And that often tells you something. And I remember I had a client who came to me for alcohol use. She got into an argument over at her in-laws on Thanksgiving. This was, I think, like two years ago. And in the end, ended up leaving the get-together and drove home. Now, scary part of this was her own acknowledgement that she doesn't remember doing that. You know, doesn't remember... Leaving doesn't remember driving doesn't remember getting home, so here we are. You know, talking about her alcohol use and and talking to her about her plans. She didn't think she was an alcoholic, and she she wanted to you know quote unquote cut back or control it. And and I asked her you know what that would look like and see if she would commit to following through with it. And I told her the same thing I just shared. Here, if you can do it, let's see what that tells us. If you can't do it, let's see what that tells us. You know, as as we we're talking about plans for doing this, remember, I'm a big, I'm big on having plans. You know, she says, this is what she tells me. I forget there is one day I'm gonna have to drink, and in my mind, I'm already like I'm going to have to drink. Like, what is this? And she proceeds to tell me that there's this big work event coming up. And she would have to drink because everybody drinks there, and she couldn't do her job and not drink so and by the way, her job was nothing alcohol related I mean it's not like she was an alcohol rep, or she was like uh nothing related to alcohol, but according to her, that's what had to have happened so right there was something that stands out to me as part of her relationship with alcohol you know she believed and told herself she had to drink because she couldn't do her job without it you know let's look at that relationship so she proceeds to tell me i'm going to go to the i'm going to go the whole month without drinking except for that one night so how do we think that ended up you know thankfully she did come back to see me and continued seeing me for a while but let's just say she did drink that night and she drank even after that And the idea of not drinking for a month never happened, never formulated. The point of that story is when you decide to stop something like alcohol for a month, it's a great opportunity to be able to see what kind of relationship you have with it. Are there events you're planning to go to and believe you need to drink in order to enjoy it? Are you watching a football playoff game and need to have a drink with it? Are you coming home or having a really tough day at work? and unable to really deal with it besides having some alcohol. A month of not consuming alcohol can really open up and explore the relationship you have with it. So the last thing in connection with you know concerns or some of the doubters or naysayers is, what is a month going to do for someone who has a drinking problem or alcohol use disorders? I'm going to make this very clear crystal clear for someone who works in the field of addiction and mental health someone that has counseled individuals who are no longer alive due to their alcohol use to someone that has counseled family members and loved ones about someone else's drinking if they have a problem with drinking or they have an alcohol use disorders i'll take a month a month is significantly better than a month full of drinking you can't get to two months if you can't do one. It starts small and builds up, but but why will we talk about 12 months sober or year sober when someone can't get to that month? So if someone is able to do that month, that works for me. Now, the last question is gonna be the substitution for tips that I normally provide. So instead of giving you tips, I'm going to ask another question, but that's kind of how we kind of wrap this up. And basically, it's question number seven, what can we learn from dry January? First thing we can learn is there's nothing wrong with wanting to stop alcohol use for a month. There's nothing wrong with wanting to stop other behaviors or indulging in other substances for a month. We should look at this as a In a similar manner and viewpoint as we do when people decide to stop other things like eating candy or drinking soda or whatever the substance is. We don't have to look at it and investigate further as to needing to explain a desire to do this. Which also leads into deciding to stop alcohol use for a month or however long does not mean you have an addiction or a substance use disorder. There are plenty of people who give up alcohol for plenty of reasons. And it doesn't mean it's because they have a problem with it. So when someone says they're giving it up, we don't have to say, oh, why, because you got a problem or you can't handle it. Some people want to give up alcohol for a variety of reasons. I'm reminded of the song Swimming Pools by Kendrick Lamar. And in the opening right away, he says, you know, some people... Like the way it feels. Some people want to kill their sorrows. Some people want to fit in with the popular. That was my problem. People consume alcohol for several reasons, and it's okay to not want to consume alcohol for whatever reasons. So, thinking of why people start, you know, whether that what is it for they chose to start and why they drink. But some people decide to give it up. Some people do because they have an alcohol use disorder. They identify as being an alcoholic. That doesn't mean everyone who gives up alcohol is that. For those with an alcohol or use substance disorder, and we look at something like dry January, the idea of taking control of your relationship with drinking is likely going to be one of the most challenging things in your entire life. Without getting into too much detail or specifics, I'm going to leave you with this general message. One month of not drinking will help. Any time of not drinking is likely going to help. But what's best for someone with an alcohol or substance use disorder will likely need more than one month sober. But remember, you can't get to 2 or 3 or 6 or 12 if you can't get to 1. So 1, even even 1 day, 1 hour, one minute of not drinking is as good as any place to start when you have a use disorder. Another thing we can learn is dry January, you know in connection with the holidays leading up to the new year, has become like that traditional time to do something like this. However, you don't need to wait until January to do it. You can choose at any point you want to stop drinking or go a month or even longer without alcohol. You can choose whenever you want, to say, I'm going to stop doing this behavior. Don't believe it's something that needs to be only a specific time of the year. We recognize it, and there's campaigns to encourage it at this time, but it can go on at any moment that's best for you. And the last thing, whether you are doing this now, or or whether you are contemplating doing it at some point maybe january 2022 long ways already the the biggest thing is that that story of the the woman that i was seeing is is take inventory after doing it like what did you learn you know were you able to do it were you not able to did you find it challenging do you see any benefits like what is my relationship with it Use that time to explore what you learned as far as what role does alcohol play in my life. I think one of the an amazing one to look at is that financial piece. And looking at I gotta save money, I gotta cut back. There's probably things people have given up or sacrificed financially. That was probably better for them. And they continued with the alcohol. Even though the alcohol was at a much higher price or cost. So that's what I mean by taking a look at that. That my relationship with that. How much is this a part of my life? How important is that in a part of my life? So. To wrap up here. If you are interested in joining the dry January campaign thinking of stopping alcohol use or want to continue with remaining abstinent I encourage you to check out a lot of the resources out there I strongly encourage you to read more about it and do your research there's a there's more out there now than ever before about ways to celebrate cope reward enjoy and have fun without the use of alcohol there are resources to help there's even an app dry january that provides tools and i believe one of them even calculates the amount of money you save from not drinking so you know by giving up alcohol there are benefits along with challenges it could be something you do for 30 days or it could be something you decide to do for a lifetime also make sure to sign up for the new addiction and recovery email list so go to my website andrewjschreier.com a-n-d-r-e-w-j-s-c-h-r-e-i-e-r at the right hand sign you'll see a box to sign up for the official email list and this is brand new but this is going to be a resource where I will be reaching out to listeners with information, giveaways, free materials, contests some updates, some free audio stuff so Go there, check it out, sign up. There's going to be more to come with that, but that is available right now. So take a moment, go there, and you'll gain more information as we continue. Once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something.